sitting on a boatload of equity and you're not quite sure what you could be doing with it? It's a great question. In this episode, we're going to dive into all the different creative ways that you could be using your equity and really make it work for you. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Okay, Bus Bench Babes, Beth here doing a solo episode, and we're talking all about equity in your home. So many people are sitting on just buckets and buckets of equity right now with the last few years and how real estate has been so insane and values appreciating like nuts all over the country. And we've seen a lot of it here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. A lot of times people are like, well, like, what could I be doing with this equity? And a lot of times people don't know all the options that are available to them. So we're going to we're going to break it down. Like what are some things you can actually do with your equity that really make sense and aren't just um, a way that you are like squandering it, but like truly a way that you're making your money work for you. My business coach Tom Ferry said a number of years ago and this just stuck with me. He said you should have a line of credit in place on your home in case the world goes on sale or in case just like an emergency comes up. But I love the part like in case the world goes on sale. There is nothing out there that says the market's going to crash. However, we are seeing some price corrections, meaning homes that went on the market and sellers were maybe just a little overzealous and they were hoping their home um, that we were experiencing like a spring market like we saw with, you know, tens of dozens of offers on homes. We aren't seeing that right now. You know, there still might be those properties that have multiple offers, but a lot of homes are not seeing that. And in fact, if your home is overpriced, you're probably going to sit on the market and then you're going to do price reductions. And the more price reductions you do, you end up just chasing the market. So there are deals to be had out there if an investor is looking for a property to flip or have a rental property. So just being able to be in a position to be able to have like a really nice down payment or the dream deal would be to even pay cash for a property. It's it's really enticing to be able to have money to be able to do that. So let's just go through all the things that you could be doing with your equity. You could be taking equity out of your primary residence and have a down payment for a cabin or put like a big chunk of money down on a cabin. I know that's like such a big popular thing here in Minnesota is for people to have a place up north on a pretty lake. And then you're, it's your kind of your getaway, your um, refuge from a busy, hectic week. And we've even had clients buy cabins up north that they were so thankful they had during COVID where they could just 
everybody's working from home, right? Pack everything up, pack their, I have some friends in particular, they bought their cabin during COVID and they both work from home and they have um, kitty cats. They're able to just pack up their car, you know, you even have grocery stores up north and they have all their clothes up north. So literally pack up the car, put the cats in the car and drive up to the cabin and they can be up there working for weeks on end because they don't have to be like interfacing with clients other than what they could do on Zoom. Pretty incredible, right? To be able to have something like that when everyone else was just like going stir crazy at their homes and like sick of staring at the, the same four walls to be able to say, I'm going to go up to the lake and just relax and be one with nature. That's a dream for a lot of people. So that's a great thing that you can do with equity. How about an investment property? Have you ever thought about buying like a condo to rent out or a duplex or a multifamily? Maybe you want to buy a small apartment complex. You could use equity in your home to do something like that. We've got some awesome investors and lenders that we work with. And one of them, if you caught episode 83, and it was an interview that I had with Connor Hesh, who is a mortgage advisor with Bell Bank Mortgage. And he, what I loved about the episode with him is that he has several investment properties. Like I think he has like 12 units right now. And what he's done is that he's leveraged one on top of the other. So he had down payment for his first one, his first property that he ever bought. And he, I think he bought a duplex. So then he lived in one side and then rented the other side out. And then after he'd lived there for a bit, then he took equity out of the first property to buy his second property and so on and so on and so on. So if you have equity in an investment property, I've been talking about primary residence, but if you have equity in an investment property, you could even take money out of that too to fund the subsequent investment property, and so on and so on. The awesome part about this is that you really only have to have like that outlay of cash for the down payment on the first one. And then theoretically, the next one's going to fund itself and then the next one and the next one. And then it's really easy to start accumulating doors, which is investor speak for the number of properties that you have. People will say, oh, I have 10 doors, meaning you have 10 properties. But if you have an apartment complex with 10 units, you only own one building, but you actually have 10 rental properties because you have 10 doors that you rent every month. Yeah, I highly recommend you check out that episode 83. If becoming a landlord and having investment properties is your thing, it's an awesome episode. And the really cool thing about talking with Connor is he, I, th- I believe he owns around 12 doors, something like that. But he's owns all these properties. He's never sold a property yet. He just buys and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold. So he just keeps accumulating Um, properties. And what he's doing is that he's building up his portfolio. So he's really concerned with cash flow. And he's really great about improving his properties so then he can charge more and will raise rents as the economy allows. And what it is, is that he's building up his nest egg. So in addition to having investments and, you know, like a 401k and whatever money in the stock market, all of that stuff, he's building up his real estate portfolio. So at some point, when it becomes time for retirement, his properties are going to reward him handsomely with money coming in every single month to help fund retirement. Such a smart strategy. So that is another one. What about owning Airbnbs? 
this is really a popular thing. If you travel at all, chances are you have stayed in an Airbnb. They can be really huge money makers. Now it's different. You're going to have, you either have to have crews and people to like help you manage them, or you're going to be a lot more hands-on than you would if you just had like a traditional rental property. But using that money, you know, using your equity in your primary residence to buy a property that you then Airbnb, especially if it's like a vac- in a vacation area, it can be a property that you can go use. Um, say, you know, like a property down in Florida or Arizona, you can go down there when it's freezing cold in Minnesota, but then when you're not using it, you rent it out and you're making money. It's a really clever idea. So another thing that's become super hot in the last um, couple of years is called like a midterm rental, meaning that it's not an Airbnb. Airbnbs are short-term rentals, meaning they usually rent for like 30 days or less. And then a traditional rental is usually something where someone has a year lease or two-year lease. But a midterm rental would be something where a property rents from anywhere from like 31 days, maybe up to like six months. And a lot of cities are putting regulations in place where you can't have Airbnbs and they're trying to like cut down on the transient factor in neighborhoods. And I get that. So then Airbnb owners, like then what are they going to do? A great way to pivot is to do midterm rentals. And these are really popular for um, corporate people that are in a town and doing like a project, people that do like contract work. And where we see this a lot is with traveling nurses, where they might have a contract to work at a hospital in, let's say, Atlanta, and they are going to be there for like three months. So they're looking for like a midterm rental. They don't want to like sign a year lease and maybe they don't want to be in an Airbnb type property. So we're seeing more of these like shorter term rental properties and why not? You you have less, you're not having to clone clean them every week like you would with an Airbnb, but then you can also fluctuate and charge maybe a little bit more rent than what you would with like a longer term rental. So there's a lot of advantages of having properties and, you know, you just got to figure out like what your, what your threshold is for risk, how hands-on or hands-off you want to be. But those are a bunch of things that you can do with your equity in your home. But what about using it to improve your current home? What if you're in a home, what I'm seeing is there's a lot of homes out there that are for sale, that are like sitting on the market. And it's such a shame where they are really nice homes in great neighborhoods and they have really good bones, but they're starting to feel really dated and tired. And a lot of times people sell those homes because they want something that's newer and better and the shinier penny. What if you took some of the equity in your home and actually improved your home and then you enjoyed it? So often, And this happens time and time again, where people get their home perfectly ready and they do all these updates and they have everything spick and span. And then they call our team and they say, hey, you know, we're thinking about selling our home. And we go over there and say, oh my gosh, it's awesome. And then they get the photos back before we go on the market. And they're like, oh my gosh, our house has never looked better. And I always think to myself, what if you would have updated your home sooner? like maybe 10 years before you were going to sell it or even five years before you were going to sell it and you actually got to enjoy some of your upgrades before you put your home up for sale instead of doing all the upgrades and making it beautiful for the next owners. What if you made it beautiful for yourself? 
So a lot of times things like, you know, it's not sexy putting money into like windows because you're like, oh, yay, these new windows make me so happy. They will make your electrical and heating bills happy. Yes, of course. But that's something that is such a good investment for when resale happens and you're going to sell your home. And all of a sudden we can market like brand new windows, new roof, new siding, new driveway. What if you have a floor plan that you don't love? A lot of times, you know, homes that were built maybe 10 or 20 years ago and now floor plans have changed a little bit and you're like, oh gosh, I don't need a formal dining room anymore. Maybe I could turn that into a home office or I wish my kitchen was had a better layout or a better floor plan. Why not take some of your equity in your home and reinvest it back into your home so you can have a home that you love again and it's beautiful and current and you're making it be a place that you really want to spend time. And then when the time comes for you to sell your home, you have a home that is a lot more saleable and it's worth more money. Great idea, right? Uh, Mark and I have a line of credit on our home and we have literally had it sitting there for two years, I would say. I think we got it um, end of 2019 or beginning of 2020. And it just kind of sat there doing nothing. So the great thing about a line of credit is that if you're not drawing any money on it, it just sits there kind of like a credit card. If you have a credit card, but you don't use it, it just sits there until you need it. So that's a, that's a great thing is that it does not cost a lot of money in order to get one in place. The biggest expense is paying for an appraisal, but it's great just for peace of mind and just to have it in case something comes up. So our line of credit had been sitting there for like roughly two years. And I was flipping through MLS, multiple listing service, looking at properties for buyers, you know, like I'm always doing. And all of a sudden a property popped up. It was a condo and it was in a building that I was really familiar with because I've already have had clients move into this building before. Super convenient location. And the price is what really struck me. I was like, holy crap, this is so cheap for this building. And I was looking at it and it was, the whole entire place was gutted. There was no flooring in there. It just was in a pretty rough shape. And so it's not a property that would have qualified for traditional financing. It was a property that was really just only open to cash buyers, which generally means investors. And so I scheduled an appointment to go see it. I buzzed up there like literally within minutes of seeing it online. And then I called um, my parents and I called my hubby and said, hey, what do you guys think about an investment property? Everybody was on board. And so we made an offer and it ended up being a cash offer because we were able to use our money from our line of credit. So even though that is considered a second mortgage on my primary residence, when I'm using that money, I it looks like a cash offer because I'm just drawing money from one place and then you just show up with a check at closing to buy the property. So we won the bid and bought the investment property. We took about six weeks to flip it. And if you follow me on like my private or my personal Facebook page and Instagram page, you totally saw all the pictures this spring of my parents and hubby and I doing our first flip. We hadn't done a flip in like at least 10 years. And so it was super fun to do. It was great like family bonding time and the transformation from the before and after was just literally mind-blowing. 
it really got my creative juices flowing and we made really good money. So then when our property sold and we got the money at closing, uh, we were able to just pay the line of credit back immediately and then just brought it back down to a zero balance. So we had a payment on it, a, you know, it's a pretty small payment, of course, because it was in the spring before interest rates went up, but it was a very, very minimal payment to be able to use that money for a couple of months. And then when we were done using the money, we paid it back. And then we were able to make money off our line of credit. And, you know, they always say like, if you have money, like a great way to make money is to have money and then be able to use it to make more money. That's essentially what we did. And it was awesome that we've had all this equity sitting in our home for a really long time. And it was fun to be, say that we were able to use it and to have it be a business deal and make more money. So that's more on that story. Something though that I want to caution you against is back in the day, uh, before the mortgage crash in 0708. I don't know if you know, but I was in the mortgage business back then. I was in mortgages and real estate. Back in the day when you could do both, I did both. And what I saw so many times is clients that would come to us at the mortgage company and say, you know, I'd really like to do a cash out refinance, meaning you would do a refinance and then pull cash out of your home or get a second mortgage and have the line of credit, like we're talking about this whole episode. But people were not using it to make more money. They were using it essentially like an ATM and using their home equity to survive. And if you're using that as just like a short-term means to an end, I get it. But if you're using that to fund a lifestyle that's not realistic and maybe you're just really have this need to like keep up with the Joneses, that's when it can become dangerous. And we saw all the foreclosures in 07, 08, and like the aftermath of the market crash 07, 08. And for the years following that, like the foreclosure rate just went up and up and up. And the reason someone goes into foreclosure is because they owe more on their house than what it's worth. So if something, God forbid, the market were to do any big major shift and you were to lose um, some value in your property and yet you've been taking all of your equity out of your property to perhaps fund a lifestyle or buy a car or buy a boat or go on vacation and all that thing, all of those types of things, it really could put you in a bad position where all of a sudden you're upside down. And really, you're only the only way for you to get out from under it outside of like living in your home for years and years and years. But a lot of times at that point, people just simply can't afford the payment is to have a foreclosure and it ruins your credit. It ruins your dignity. There's a whole bunch of things that I could go on about like how foreclosures really can mess people up. So that would be my big cautionary tale is that if you have a line of credit, just be really mindful of how that money is getting spent and where you're putting it to use or not put it to use. But a home equity line of credit can be a really good thing. And if simply for nothing else other than peace of mind, that is that's priceless in and of itself because you're not paying anything to have that line of credit sit there. And for a rainy day, ours sat there for two years before an opportunity presented itself. 
So if you want to talk more about what it looks like to have a line of credit, if you're in the Twin Cities and you would love a recommendation for an awesome bank that is um, wonderful at setting up lines of credit, reach out. Um, shoot me a message on our Bus Bench Babes page, and I would love to put you in touch with an awesome loan officer that could get you a line of credit. So, but if you want to pick my brain on what it looks like to use a line of credit, or does it make sense, or does it not make sense, I would love to chat with you. Or if it feels like it's out of my wheelhouse, I would love to put you in touch with Connor Hesh, who uses lines of credit all the time and helps a bunch of clients use theirs to their benefit. So I just bombarded you with a bunch of information and I hope this answered some questions for you. Like what could you do with all this equity sitting in your home that you've accumulated the last few years? It's awesome if you could use it to actually make more money, to create a bigger future, to create um, generational wealth ongoing, a lot of different ways that you can use it that really could make a lot of sense for you. So any questions, reach out. I would love to have a conversation with you and put you in touch with people that could even take the conversation even further. So until next time, Bus Bench Babes, keep your face off a bus bench and keep being the badass boss babe that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.